Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. <laughs> oh. That's funny, huh? Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. That's right. We also work our nine-to-five jobs together, we teach together, and we own the Lovett Company. We do so much together, and we wanted to share some of our tips and tricks for living out our 24-7 relationship. That's right. A relationship that is all day, every day. Plus, we wanted to share with you how we managed to run our business alongside full-time jobs and still find time for kids, chores, and fun. So in this podcast, the Success in Black and White podcast, we will talk about navigating the gray in life. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be bringing to you Real Talk concepts every week as we share some of our stories, best practices, as well as talk to guests about how they found success by doing extraordinary things in their everyday lives. Please stay tuned as we dive into this conversation with Mr. James Davis, a.k.a. James Big Game Davis, a.k.a. J.D. James was born and raised in Tallahassee, Florida, and graduated from Florida State University with a bachelor's degree in marketing, minoring in communication. He moved to Los Angeles in 2005 and started working for Enterprise in Southern California. James worked his way through management, earning promotions along the way, and ultimately landing him positions in human resource, including talent development manager and human resource generalist manager. In 2015, James was promoted to his current role, corporate diversity, equity, and inclusion manager for Enterprise Holdings, supporting more than 70,000 employees today. He is responsible for creating content, training, and development for employees, ensuring that the business case is clear as it relates to inclusion and diversity. However, of all the promotions and accolades James has received through the years, he is most proud of being a loving husband and father. September 24th will make 15 years of marriage, and James is proud to say that without the support of his wife and their children, he would not be where he is today. Knowing this, he is grateful to God for trusting him and loving him enough to allow him the privilege to lead his family. The motto in the Davis household is clear. It is not about us. It is about what God wants to do through us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Success in Black and White. The podcast. We are back one more again. We are back one more again. We are back again. I'm excited because we are not alone. We are not alone. And we love it when we're not alone and we can bring in people who are doing extraordinary things um, and, and kind of get them to share their expertise and some of their experiences with us. So I'm very excited about this one because uh, this person uh, that's going to be joining us today, we kind of go like way, way back. <laughs> like we're talking like 10, 15 years, way back. Um, so yeah. Well, I, I mean, you guys already heard the bio, like the stuff that he is doing is incredible, but JD, we are so happy to have you on our podcast. And I just think I want to reiterate what it is that you do because it is amazing. You oversee, correct me if I'm wrong, but you oversee the 
equity, diversity, inclusion training for over 70,000 people with Enterprise Holdings. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. That is um, mind-blowing. Yeah. We yeah. have a hard time getting like two or three people to listen to what we say about diversity, equity, inclusion, <laughs> but 70,000. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to dive into this interview. It's exciting. But you guys go way back, right? Yeah. There's yeah. probably some context yeah. to that, you know? <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting bring... for stories. Like, I'm kind of excited. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. See, she's trying to, hey, see what she's trying to do? She's trying to set me up. She's talking about, so I'm ready for some stories. Some stories, right. Yeah, she wants the tea. <laughs> I want the tea. We ain't doing the tea right now. Oh. All right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff to do, so. <laughs> let's do this, JD. Let's do this. So, for all the people that are listening, we want you in your own voice, in your own way, to tell them who you are about you, kind of how you got to the place that you are right now, and why you value so much in what you do. Yeah, so first of all, uh, my name J.D. James Davis, but J.D. for short. Um, that's, how, that's how D. Love and I got connected. Uh, but yes, I'm born and raised in Tallahassee, Florida. I uh, grew up um, in high school and all there, but uh, decided once once it was time to go to school and went to Florida State, and uh, that's where Daryl and I met, and uh, we actually stayed in the scholarship houses together, right? So we were there, um, and I mean, to get in the scholarship houses was a blessing anyway, so yeah. obviously you got to keep your grades up, but uh, <laughs> it taught us, I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, it taught you how to how to make sure you were able to um, get along with other people, work together. We had to cook, we had to do the grocery shopping, you had to take care of your own laundry, all that good stuff, which was pretty cool. Um, but you know, after school, I uh, did a year in politics actually with, uh, the Florida democratic party, but I realized, man, quickly that politics was not for me. <laughs> so I decided, um, you know, I had to make some changes and I knew that I wanted to always move to LA. So I actually picked up and moved to Los Angeles, um, in 2005, uh, and basically, you know, moved out there and, um, started working with enterprise as a management trainee, uh, on the professional side. And i uh, coming up on my 15-year anniversary, actually, with Enterprise. Uh, well, excuse me, I actually just hit 15 in, in March, but uh, coming around will be 16 years. But it's been great. I started out working in the branches, washing cars and taking care of customers and worked my way up to assistant manager. And, and from there, I had an opportunity to go over to the National Alamo side. So for those who don't know, um, Enterprise Holdings is comprised of National Alamo and Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And uh, that acquisition in 2007, 2008, I was able to go over to the LAX National Alamo side and work there for a year and three months, learn the business, learn the ins and outs about the customers and the employees, got promoted back to uh, the enterprise side as the group trainer to train all the new hires coming in in Southern California, uh, which was pretty cool. So I did that for five years, earned a promotion there, and then raised my hand to be the HR manager. Uh, the generalist manager to learn a little bit more about HR outside of training. Um, and then this position here where I am locally located currently is in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. So I am at the corporate world headquarters for enterprise and I am currently uh, the corporate diversity, equity, and inclusion manager. And I know that's a mouthful, but uh, overall my job, as you already heard a little bit before is, you know, to make sure that our company and our employees uh, have an understanding of what it is when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, why it's important, how it ties into our business, and how we can continue to grow uh, by making sure that that's a top focus on what we do every single day. Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. So 
I, I know JD, right? Yeah. So, man, you want to talk about one of the, I, I guess I feel this way because of my experiences with him, but one of the most like blessed people that I know, if you think about the story that he just told and how right. that transition happened, you know, most time people, they have to know somebody yep. and then they have to work real hard and then they have to actually play the game that he said wasn't for him, the political game. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and kind of move and navigate through that. So, I mean, I think that's amazing that you took the opportunities that were given to you and made the most of them and were able to transition. Second part to that is I've never met anybody, anybody that he couldn't get along with. So, <laughs> right, so I'm right. sure that helps. I mean, even in college when we were together, you know how there are different groups of people and you know, some people kind of get in with that group. And, and I'm one of them. I'm guilty. I raised my hand. I'm one of them. You know, I had my certain little group. And this guy transitioned and kind of like was a part of every group. And no matter where he was or who was around, somebody in any group always knew, you know, knew who he was and he was able to to do that. It seems like you really found your calling. I know. I was just like, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Like that is the perfect type of person, especially in kind of how we're seeing the divisions in America and just like the different type of groups. We need somebody like you. You should be president. (laughs) We need somebody like you who can relate to so many different types of people groups. And so that is really cool. This really does seem like it's actually your calling. That is awesome. So this is what I want to know, JD. I told you I'm the wild card. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording. This is what I want to know. As long as I've known you, like, where did all of this come from? Like, how was this all instilled in you? Because like I said, from day one from knowing you, it was like, he's a good person and everything that he means is like, it's meant well. Like, how was that instilled? Where did that come from? Yeah, thank you for asking. I, I can't, you know, beat around the bush. It's a model that we have in our household right now with my family, which is, it's not about us. It's about what God wants to do through us. So I'm a huge man of faith. And I, too, I totally believe uh, that God puts you in a position and puts you in certain spaces uh, to have and make effect and have change there. Um, so even at a young age, my mom, my dad, they didn't just keep us around a certain group of people just because they looked like us or where they were from uh, or an age group. We, you know, I was, I mean, I kind of shared in some other interviews that I did gymnastics for 10 and a half years. And uh, we all know the gymnastics, not even, I mean, now you see Simone Biles, you see Gabby Douglas, you see some people who are black and African-American in there doing some great things. But when I was coming up, you only saw a few. We saw Dominique Dawes, right? Um, so uh, just a few people. So for me to even be in gymnastics, a lot of my friends were like, what? You're the only black kid on the chocolate chip in the milk. What's going on, man? So I learned how to uh, engage with and I learned how to talk with and converse with different people who were not from where I'm from. So it wasn't uh, that it was uh, unfamiliar to me when I began to grow, when I began to develop. And I knew that being a people person, that, that's for me at heart. No matter what it was, whether I'm in sales when I first started at Enterprise, whether I'm in human resources, people resources, now uh, whether I'm in inclusion and diversity in the current spot, I know that at the end of the day, I would not be successful if I did not have a good grasp and a good gauge for uh, the people. So at the end of the day, I have to make sure that I keep that forefront and the top of the mind for sure. 
you know, I think that is um, for the listeners. I think that is a nugget that you want to grab right now and put in your pocket. Um, That's something that we have an opportunity to talk about a lot. And um, one of the areas that, you know, I've done a lot of research in, um, but on a, in a different aspect of, of managing relationships. But I think what you just said is so important with taking advantage of opportunities to interact and engage with people that are not just like you, you know, and then taking those experiences and then just kind of applying them to applying them to how you interact with other people. Um, so for listeners, he dropped the nugget, take that and put it in your pocket right now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if I can, I think one thing that I share, even in some of our classes and some of the meetings that I have an opportunity to speak at, uh, I always tell them before I leave, or at least I try to remember to tell them somewhere throughout the presentation. Uh, I think something that we all can do is we can intentionally engage with people who are not like us. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be the first one to take the first step. You be the one to walk towards that person who normally or maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable walking toward, whether they have a, a different ability, whether they may be from a different generation, a different background, different ethnicity, different gender, uh, maybe whatever it is, you be that person to step outside of your quote unquote comfort zone, because that's when uh, we're uncomfortable. That's when we start to really learn. That's when we start to grow. So when you think about um, tying that into, you know, working out, right? It's when you start working out and you begin to get sore. That's when you know, oh man, I'm sore the next morning. That means something's working. So typically you don't just stop when you feel sore. You work out on top of the soreness to get more strength and more strength, right? So same thing. It's a muscle that we have to exercise when you start talking about engaging and making sure that you are intentional with that. Because the more you practice at it, you'll start to look in the mirror and say, oh, I like these results. I like that. I need to, I need to keep working here. This is another area that I'm going to continue to develop. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's such a great analogy. Yeah, that was good. I'm just, I'm just hogging all this. Like, I'm just like, I know. <laughs> I, I got another, good. I got another one right on. Go top for of it. Right, cool. So, uh, I mean, you just talked about it and I think those are some great ways um, with those type of initiatives from your expertise what would be a good way for someone who maybe doesn't know the right things to say or don't feel comfortable? Um, how could they start that process of engaging? What would be your advice? Yeah, uh, a lot of times it's not about uh, knowing exactly what to say. I think sometimes it's just about putting yourself out there and knowing that, hey, and maybe you can preface it by saying, hey, I may mess up when I'm talking. I may mess up and saying what I'm about to say but please know that it's coming from a sincere place, a good spot in my heart that I want to learn more about you. I want to learn more about your culture. I want to learn more about your family. Would you be willing to share with me as I'm willing to open up and share with you so that I can grow? And typically when people, uh, when you ask someone to give them an opportunity to grow and share, they typically don't turn that down. So you often, oftentimes you have an opportunity to really um, bring someone in and pull them in and really be a part of that conversation. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I think, you know, you know, this April, like a lot of times what we see is people, they don't take that approach Mm -hmm. because their objective is to only be heard. You know, they have a point to prove. um, They have something that they want to get off their chest or that they want to share. And that's their motive going into the conversation is I have this to say and you need to listen. And then the disconnect happens after they've done that. Um, So I think that's a, a, a great word of advice that you gave. 
Um, I know for me, I need yeah. to work. I need to work on that because I ain't going into no conversation being like, "Hey, I'm about to open up," so I need you to open up. <laughs> I, need, I, need to, I need to start putting that into practice. Um, yeah, so. I think it's important, and I like that. I mean, even on. You know, social media is probably one of the most divisive places right now that you could potentially be. But I think that is a good thing to keep in mind, even on social media, is to kind of invite different perspectives to to try to understand where other people might be coming from or what influenced the way that they're thinking. You know, I don't think that we do that often on social media. And I think that does create a lot of the divisiveness that we see in America today. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, there are people who I recently noticed on some of my social media platforms who may have a different lean when it comes to politics than I do. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, oh, he's totally over there. I'm totally over here. And something said, oh, you ought to delete him because he's not thinking like you. And I said, something else said, no, why would you delete him just because he has different thoughts and different backgrounds, different opinion? So I didn't delete him. But it's crazy because a week later I checked and I think he might have unfriended me or deleted oh, me, no. which, is, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Because I'm like, ah, oh, it's all good. I was learning. I mean, I'm learning more about you and why you feel the way you feel. Uh, and there's some other individuals that I found who may be on uh, social media who think differently. But for me, I don't run away from that. I actually lean towards that. I lean into it because, um, you know, I try to make sure that I'm able to hear all sides. You know, some people say both sides. But what about all sides? Because there are different sides from different people, different perspectives. Uh, I may not agree. I may not disagree. Uh, I may be neutral. But if I don't even create the space where people can feel that they can be themselves around me, then uh, I feel that there's something that I can work on to hopefully um, foster that going forward. Oh, man. Yeah. It's so good already. (laughs) It's so good already. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. I can go like with our list of questions Uh, or we can just keep going down rabbit holes. I mean, I feel like he's addressing (laughs) a lot of this. I know. So so get ready because after this one, I'm going to let you transition back. See, I told you I'm the wild card, man. (laughs) I'm gone already. I'm gone. That's all good. So you get your mind right on where we transition. The listeners already know this. They know me. so They know how I roll. So while she's getting her thoughts ready about how we're going to transition, my, my question to you is um, one of the things that, you know, I like to do and we talk about a lot and I know that you will do is we like, we like to keep it real. So we, we like the positive energy and a positive light. But for some people, um, you know, they may need to hear this or may need to hear what you have to say about this. Like, what are some common barriers um, that you have witnessed? Because you work with over, you know, I was going to say 700,000, however many thousand, <laughs> 70,000, 70, however many thousand. Like, I, I know there are some common barriers. Um, I, I would like for you to, you know, share what some of those common barriers are, but also to keep it positive and to keep people progressive. Like, what are some solutions that either you, um, your organization or just businesses, organizations in general can do to move forward through some of those barriers? Well, yeah, I think some of the barriers, one of them you mentioned, I think a little bit earlier, D-Love, when you spoke of um, really listening to listen to someone and listening to understand, I think that's a huge, huge uh, point to make because oftentimes I think we only listen to speak. We're waiting to hear what you say because I already, I'm formulating a response in my mind and I'm just waiting on you to zip it so I can put it in there versus really taking time to sit, listen intentionally to hear what you or the other individual has to say. And then using that, and maybe I have to kind of teach myself when someone speaks, maybe it's not necessary for me to respond right away. Maybe I don't need to respond right away. 
I need to sit and let it bake for a little bit. I need to sit and let it take root for a little bit so that I can hopefully understand. And if there's something that I'm not sure that I understood, I'm going to follow up with a question and maybe restate what I heard and ask for them to clarify if I've missed or misinterpreted what they are saying. Because oftentimes, a lot of the things that we run into, the barriers that we run into, has to do with communication, has to do with your genuine um, self, whether you are really listening or not. Uh, one of our founding values here at Enterprise is great things happen when we listen to our customers and each other. So if I want great things to happen, it's kind of like an if-then statement. <laughs> if I do this, then this could happen or this will happen. Uh, but if I'm not willing to do that, if I'm not willing to put in the work to actually sit and listen, then uh, I have to understand that the results that I'm looking to get may not be uh, the ones that I want in that in that season, if that makes sense. But uh, yeah, those so those are some of the barriers that are there. Um, but if you were to look at just overall, I think uh, barrier wise, it's 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 almost like, well, if I believe this, it means that I'm against you is what I'm hearing from a lot of people. Or if you believe that and I don't, that means we can't even talk. We can't even con uh, contribute to any conversation together. We have to just totally separate. And I, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with that, because if I you're basically saying if I'm not like you, exactly like you then there's no benefit from us even engaging in this relationship. And it, I, don't, I don't know if that's the right way to think about it because you could be missing out on a totally different perspective just because you disagree with one thing. Uh, now, again, some people feel heavy and uh, they have heavy hearts about certain things and I get it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I have to really understand and really put myself hopefully in someone else's shoes. And that's where the whole empathy comes in because I think, if we are more empathetic versus sympathetic, it might give us a, a, a better light to kind of navigate through some of those conversations and questions. No, I have some people who, oh, yeah, James, you, I get it, but I, I'll never understand because I'm not black like you or I'm not a guy like you. Yeah, you're right. But there is a level of empathy that you can show, that you can give, that you can portray, that you can stand with me with to let me know that, hey, I may not be able to ever walk in your shoes and experience it. But based off of your experience, I know you enough, I trust you enough, I believe you enough that I'm going to take what you say and I'm going to act and behave accordingly in a way that's going to help support you, help, uh, help navigate whatever this conversation or situation is. I'm going to help us navigate it together versus, hey, you're on your own, right? Oh my goodness! I am so. Bad. He set up. Did you did you catch this? I'm I'm finna help y'all listeners out real quick. I know y'all y'all listening. I'm hoping y'all hearing the same thing that I'm hearing. He set up the steps to get to I think the most yeah. important part, which was trust. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the the biggest issues um, when you're talking about the conversation because no one kind of set the foundation for that trust to happen so that people can uh, genuinely you know, engage with, with each other, which will, I think, bring in that empathy. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I was listening to what you were saying and, and you kind of like set the stage and then you hit it right in the mouth with that trust. If you don't have that trust, you know, it, it's going to be difficult to have those conversations to engage or to get yeah. to know people better. So, um, yeah, I like that. Genuine listen. Yeah. Display empathy, yeah. have empathy, and then you can get to trust. I love that. That's so I have two wild card questions. Oh, and see? I, I know. Oh. I know, you guys. I know. I know. <laughs> um, 
Well, the first one, because this is your area and this is what you do, um, I think that you have already given so much. I mean, we could literally end the interview right now and people would have like, boom, their brains are blown already. But I want to know, because I tend to be very pragmatic. um, And so I'm curious, like in leading initiatives and in leading the organization, what are some very practical application things? Because my brain thinks in like data and information, like coming in and going out. What are some like programs that you do to address this within enterprise? What are initiatives that you have that, that really work? Like what are the things that you're doing that really work? What are suggestions that you have for large organizations, um, whether they're public or nonprofit or whatever? Um, what are things that work in this realm? Yeah, I think um, some of the things that we've done recent in recent months with everything that's happened and transpired, you can't get away from what's going on in society. And I think there was a time in corporate America that I can remember when they say, hey, don't bring that to work. You can't talk about religion. You can't talk about politics. Um, you can't talk about race. Right. And look at what we're talking about right now. Right. In, in society today. Uh, and I try to remind um, people that no matter who and where you are, people are people. And they're going to have differences and they're going to have uh, challenges even outside of work. So we have something where we talk about making sure that people can bring their best self to work, their whole self. Uh, I can't bring my whole self to work if I'm worried about whether or not my kids are going to eat this evening when I get off work. Or if I'm worried about um, how my kids are going to get picked up from school because now my meeting ran late and I don't want to leave the boss thinking that I'm just leaving early when, well, who's going to pick up? So you have to find a way to make sure that people are able to trust you enough as a leader and as an organization to where they can share those personal moments to where they can really trust that manager to say, okay, my manager has my best interest at heart. Um, And that comes from investing time into each person that's on your team. So if, if talking to an organization or talking to leaders, make sure that there's a plan in place for relationship building, okay, whether it's through your mentoring programs, whether it's through uh, data points that you all address or, or stop points that you address if, uh, throughout the day or throughout the month, throughout the weeks. But there has to be a time where it is carved out intentionally for leaders to invest in their people. Some people say, oh, man, I got to go spend time with this group. I got to go spend time with that group. But listen to the word choice, spend time versus invest time. Mm. When I'm investing time, I'm putting time intentionally here or resources here, and I'm expecting some sort of a return. Typically, that return is going to be either equal or more than what I put in. That's what ROI is. Whereas when I spend, I'm not necessarily looking for anything. I'm just spending time and it's just frivolous. I'm just going to spend. That's why I have to challenge myself to make sure that I don't say I'm going to go spend time with this group of people or I'm going to go spend time with that group of people. I'm, I'm intentionally saying I get to invest time with this group of people. And then using the word to say I get to, that's making myself, that's giving me a reminder to say uh, it's not given or guaranteed. It's a privilege because I get to invest time into my people. So relationship building is a huge, huge uh, pillar in any community, in any company, that if you really want your people to uh, bring 100% to the table every day, if you want them to give you 100% every day, if not more, they have to have a relationship with you as a manager to say, hey, I've I got to do it because I know that they trust me and I know I can't let them down 
or I'm looking at the bigger picture here. Um, so building relationships and making sure that you don't not only build them, but sustain and cultivate them. Because it's one thing to, you know, oh, it was great when I knew how I got here. Oh, my gosh, you gave them balloons and they got a nice little badge that's shiny and they got their badge to swipe in. And woo. <laughs> All right. So what are we going to do now to sustain yeah. that relationship? OK, you can't just leave them now. It's now three months down the road and you haven't had any follow up with them. So what can you do to continue to engage them? Uh, evergreen, if you will. So it's got to be an evergreen plan that you have in place. Uh, and then whatever plan that you have in place, you got to make sure you're consistent with it. So four steps to success that I've used in my career that's helped me and that I've shared with others is number one, anything that you're trying to uh, grow or make positive movement or change with, you have to number one, create a plan. What does that plan look like? Um, if you need to write it down, if you need to bounce it off of different people for ideas, create a plan. Number two, you need to be able to implement the plan, right? Because implementation is key. You can have the greatest plan, but if it's rolled out the wrong way, it can fall flat on its face and it'll never grow. It'll never do what you want it to do. Number three, you have to follow up with the plan or be consistent with those steps, right? So create a plan, implement a plan, follow up on the plan. And that's where accountability comes in. Who am I going to hold accountable as a leader? Who am I going to hold accountable on the team to do what they need to do? Who's responsible for this? Okay. And last but not least, the fourth step to that success process is uh, I need to make sure that I am consistent with everything that I've done on those first three. I create a plan. All right. I'm implementing the plan. I'm following up and holding people accountable. And number four is consistency with steps one, two, and three. I've used this early on in my career when my mentor gave it to me. I've used it later in my career. I've used it outside of work, right? So it's something that you can really use to kind of help keep you on track. So I know a lot of companies are talking right now about the social unrest and the injustices that are going on. Yes, okay, we listen. Now we have to create a plan. We need to know how to uh, implement that plan, how to roll it out. And then our our members and our employees are looking to see how consistent we are down the line with that plan. All right. And then, you know, holding people accountable. And then are we able to repeat and repeat and repeat to make sure we stay uh, top of our focus? So, yeah, it's a it's a, something that continues to grow. But, you know, overall, I think organizations can really grow from that and have uh, plans in place that's going to really get you the, uh, the, the desired results you're looking for. Yes. In higher ed, we call that implementation fidelity. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. whole that. cycle that you talked about. I just never had the uh -huh. steps. So I gave you the name and you gave me the sub-steps and look at this. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Implementation fidelity. Very nice. Yes. Yes. Um, well, my other one is like Go real ahead. wild. So uh, I'll let you ask. Wait a minute. No, no, <laughs> it's no. It's wild, no. wild. <laughs> Get it out the way. I know, but it, the way, because what I have is gonna kind of bring it back. Okay, cool. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, we're gonna mm. we're gonna we're gonna take a different track, just a little bit. Sure. This is not in the questions that we gave you, but I am curious because this plays such an instrumental role in your life. Like these two things colliding, I'm very curious about. So your DEI life, your diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then your, your faith and your belief in God and having that guide your life. I'm curious if you, and you don't have to answer this question, but I'm just curious, what role do you think that EDI should play in like the church, like big C church, like the church? 
And the church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Bible says, go ye therefore, right? Uh, teaching all nations. So if it was only one nation to address, I don't think it would have said all. Uh, so that, I think, identifies that there are more than one out there, more than one group of people. So if I'm going out and I'm going to teach all, uh, the Bible also tells us that we have to be fishers of men, right? Fishers of men, fishers of women. And that, mean, that means uh, of men, not of man, right? So men is multiple. It's, a, it's the plural of man. So I have to know what bait to use to get the people. I have to be smart. I have to be wise. I have to be one who is open. I have to be one who's listening. I have to be one who, uh, if someone needs to correct me, I have to be willing to embrace, receive that correction, right? That counsel, that godly counsel if I need to. So when you talk about winning souls, and you're absolutely right, I have a, it's interesting here um, at my job, I have a few individuals who we call uh, SNL, right? Salt and light, okay? So okay. We <laughs> lunches, right. We have SNL lunches, right? And because we are all believers, yet we're in corporate America, and we do understand that there's sometimes a pull and a push to make sure that you are still strong in your faith, still able to do what you need to do, still able to have your beliefs. And yes, it can be challenging. Um, but you have to, you have to be willing to, uh, understand that not everyone will see it the way you see it. Mm. Right. Um, you know, Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman, I mean, he wasn't supposed to be talking to her, right. They all knew that, but he engaged in that conversation. Right. She's like, why are you talking to me? You know, you're not supposed to be talking to me, but he did what he intentionally engaged with someone who was not like him, but he had to give her a drink of living water, not the water that she was dipping for him that she thought he wanted. I'll, I'll make sure you never thirst again is what he said. So for him to do that, I think that's him showing us, right? Yeah. Oh, I can't. Oh, somebody here is homeless and they're dirty. They smell. I don't, or, I mean, he's walking towards those people. He's walking towards the people that everyone else wants to throw a stone at. So I think if I'm a Christian and, and that's how I'm supposed to live Christ-like that manner, I have to not just talk to talk. I have to be able to walk it and do the same because there are differences that are out there that I have to say, well, who am I to judge you when I know that I, I'm not the judge, right? I have to be able to still extend grace, pray for those, pray for those individuals, whatever I need to do. Um, but yeah, you, you have, even at work, sometimes you have to navigate and balance, hey, let my yay be yay and my nay be nay, depending on what it is. And uh, yeah, I just ask the as to continue to pray and ask God for discernment and wisdom in those situations so that I know that what I'm doing is the right thing. And sometimes maybe I don't, maybe I have to ask someone else who can help pray with me, pray for me, um, and to make sure that we're all on the same page there. So yeah, you're right, April. It is sometimes tough in that, in the environments that you're in to still be who you are, to live what you live. But trust me, if someone opens that door, for example, in my training classes, I don't just walk in there just Bible thumping, hitting people over the head, talking about Matthew 5, 16, John 3, 16, John, 1 John 4, verse 4, greater is he that's living in I don't go in there just smacking upside the head. But, <laughs> but within my presentation, if not by the middle or by the end, there's a, another believer or a sister or brother who will come up, hey, yeah, I know you believe it, huh? You know, or they'll sense it or they'll, they'll have some sort of an inclination. They'll, it's kind of like, um, you know, light recognizes light. You know what I mean? So they'll be able to kind of tell just by the conversation, the walk, uh, the communication, the way that I choose my words. Uh, I'm not saying, hey, can I get an amen? <laughs> hey, you know, I'm not doing that. But 
by the time we're done, if they don't know exactly what it is, they know that something's different, mm. right? Something's different. And uh, we are a peculiar people. So I want to make sure that something makes them want to come back and ask for more or try to dig in a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, I have to balance it. You're right, April. But at the end of the day, uh, my relationship with, with Jesus Christ and, and what I do for him is, is what ultimately gets the, the win every time. Love it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, man. That was out of left field, too. That was out of Thank left you. field. But, <laughs> but you know what? I'm glad you did that um, because the way that he just presented that, like somebody needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. Somebody, Probably a lot of people. Uh, somebody, <laughs> I, I mean, I know. Somebody needed to hear that. And even though you said that it was out of left field, um, I think it was meant for this conversation mm-hmm. for JD right now. Um, so I'm glad you said that because I it I would did not register to me at all to to even go there. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm gonna transition just a little bit, and I, I think you kind of helped navigate into the direction um, that I'm gonna go. And I know we had a phone conversation, and I asked you this question, um, but I want to ask it again now so that you can kind of elaborate on it a little bit for our listeners. Um, with all of the work that you do, um, you know the work with diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and then training all the people and then, you know, living your life. Like, do you ever get burned out? Like, do you ever get tired? Do you ever get discouraged? Um, And then, you know, how do you deal with that? Or how do you address those emotions and feelings when, you know, those things happen? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, Absolutely. You get tired, you get frustrated, you get exhausted. You know, uh, I am, yes, the diversity, equity, and inclusion manager here at Enterprise. However, I'm still a black man before I'm any of that. Right. So I still have to, when I walk out of the office, I still have to live um, as, as I would any other uh, time. So whether it's driving and making sure that I'm doing what I need to do, so I'm not pulled over, making sure that when I'm in the store that I'm behaving, I mean, you do a lot of things and you have to navigate through it. So sometimes teaching it and having to remind people, you feel like, man, I'm so tired of teaching the same thing. Why, why haven't you gotten it? I've talked to you before. Why haven't you gotten it? But then I have to remind myself, God might be looking at me like, well, why haven't you gotten it, minister? I've messed up the same time in a row. How many times have you messed up? And I've been extended grace on top of grace on top of grace. So I kind of have to approach it the same way uh, the scripture says it's new mercies every morning. <laughs> right. I have to give some new inclusion, diversity, and equity mercies every morning, <laughs> right? And and really understand that what the why is behind it. Okay, you have to know your why. I think Simon Sinek talks about start with why. His book is really nice if you haven't read it. But that I can translate not just into what he's speaking of, but also with the why behind, you know, what we do as Christians and how we live and why we speak the way we speak, why we communicate the way we communicate. Why? Because ultimately we want to share the good news with those individuals to make sure that they have an opportunity and a choice. We all have a choice to either say yay or nay to Jesus Christ being their savior. And we see each other in heaven one day. But uh, for me to get through that, yeah, I have to pull on, you know, my faith. I have to get, um, you know, girded up. My wife has to encourage me in times. Right. And my friends and my family have to encourage me. And my mom has to encourage me. I lost my dad back in April. um, And I have to continue to, okay, well, what's going to make pops proud? I know he's looking down on me. He's right here with me. Right. So you use and you find those uh, those things, those people, those memories that can help push you as well. 
But yeah, it does get tiring and frustrating sometimes, but I have to choose um, whether or not I'm going to react to that tired and frustration state of mind, or, or am I going to respond to it? And I choose, I hope that I choose to respond more times than I choose to react. God, I just had a conviction. Goodness. <laughs> hey, man, I asked that question. I didn't expect to get that conviction. That, that But I'm serious, though. That mercy, like, when, when I do wake up in the morning, like, I'm thankful, and and I know that that's a new mercy for me, you know, that new day. And I receive it so easily. I'm like, thank you for the mercy. Thank you for the mercy. But when it's time to give it, he's still working on me in that area. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I'm like, you get no mercy. I didn't talk to you five times. I know you just not getting it because you just don't want to get it. So right. get out my right. face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, we just have to. I think a lot of times when we start behaving and responding a certain way, we have to always turn the mirror back on ourselves. Like introspectively, internally, I got to look at myself and say, okay, let me start with me. Let me start with me first and see, and let me check myself first. And then uh, if that's not what it is, then maybe I need to check my, my, my surroundings. Who am I with? Who am I connected with? Am I connected with people who may not be speaking life uh, into my life or speaking life into my situation? Am I listening to the wrong stuff? Am I watching the wrong things? All that stuff plays a part. So um, I think you just have to continue to work on you and continue to work to get yourself better. And uh, I think over time, You'll start to hopefully grow in grace, grow in patience, grow in knowing what the work is. I think, oh, man, I think um, my pastor said one time, he said, burnout? What do you mean burnout? I mean, you burn out, you just forgot your why, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're burning out, you just forgot the reason why you're doing it or well, the reason why you're doing it has been pushed to the back burner and it's not on the front anymore. Because if you always know why you're doing it and you know it's in line with what God has placed you here to do, yeah, you may feel tired, but it's not going to burn your life out. Yeah. Wow. I think that was yeah. good where in that entire segment where you're just talking about uh, one of the things that jumped out, you said, you know, you got to turn the mirror back on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and I know for a lot of people, I, I have those similar conversations to a lot of students that I work with and engage with when they are, um, you know, feeling certain ways or whatever. And I'm like, you feeling that way because of that person? Or are you feeling that way because of things that are internally going on with you? You know? Yeah. And when you turn that mirror back on, you know, like if somebody scares you, you know, what do you do? You flinch. And the first thing you do is you close your eyes, you know? So when you turn a mirror back on yourself and it's something that, you know, you don't like, you know, you kind of either close your eyes or you turn the mirror back away. Right. Um, so I, I think that that was, um, very well put and is a very important thing that I definitely mm -hmm. try to encourage. And, and April will tell you, um, like my reflecting moments when, when I get up is in the morning in the mirror, like I stand there before I even do anything. I just kind of hang out right there. Sometimes she'd be looking like, at me. What, are you doing? What, are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing this early in the morning in this mirror? Yeah. But that's my check-in though. That's my, that's yeah. my, Thank you for the mercy for allowing me to see another day. That's my check-in. It's like, man, like leave yeah. me this day so that I can do the work. And, and that's kind of wow. where I do it. I reflect and I kind of go about how, you know, I see myself um, moving through that day. So I oh, think that was, that was great insight. Yeah. I think 
this has been really good. Yeah. I don't want to, I honestly don't want to take away from anything that has been said because all of it has been so yeah, good been and good. really enlightening. So I think we should close on one last question. Okay. Of what is your recommendation? If you had like one recommendation for our nation, for your employees, like for Americans, for humans overall, moving forward, like what is your recommendation so that we all can have an appreciation for God's creation in all of its diversity? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to me speaking about just putting yourself out there, even if it's uncomfortable to partner with, engage with, unite and join with people who may not see it the way you see it. I think typically we we move quickly towards groups, circles, um, spheres of people or relationships that make sure that we're comfortable. Okay, there's something in comfort. There's something where we can let our hair hang down. We can let our hair hang low when we are around people that we trust, people that we know who are like us. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> your hair hanging low, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, I think as a world, I think, you know, you can't speak about love enough, right? Now, there's love and action for sure. Um, but I think overall, I think there, there could be a deficit of the love that we should extend to every person, um, regardless of where they're from, uh, regardless of what they believe and what they eat, and what they don't, which, uh, where they, what they believe and, and how they share. So um, I think, you know, all of us, can start with love. Number one, loving ourselves. I believe that's that mirror turning back first. If I'm going to start with love, I got to make sure I love myself. I got to forgive myself for some of the things that I did. I've got to forgive myself for some of the things that I uh, said to someone else or that it hurt someone. A lot of times I think it's self-inflicted and then hurt people end up hurting people. So we try to get it off of us by hurting other people, not knowing how to cope and deal with it. So, I mean, a lot of that could be through that mental health area. It could be through physical health, but I would say love yourself, get that straight, find out what we need to do internally, but then work to intentionally do, you know, those nice and loving things for other people um, without really expecting anything in return, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes I know it's kind of a transact, oh, I'll do this if you do that. Mm -hmm. I'll do this if you, no, I'm going to do it because I want to do it uh, and not expect anything in return because that's the true, you know, the true truth for giving it and doing it in such a way that you know that it's uh, it's for the greater good. But uh, yeah, I think we just need, we need more love for sure. Um, but we got to start with ourselves and hopefully let that transition out way. I love it. Oh man, this has been great. I know it's been so good. We appreciate it. I'm gonna have you. to listen to this like seven times <laughs> so I can reflect on like all of the different things that you have said. Oh good. Oh good. Yeah, it's been good. Well, I do you have it. anything else? I think that's it. I got to ask that question. I know. My, kinda, my wild cards are coming out today. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything else. Right. This has been great. All right. Well, that's it for me. That's so for me. until the next time. Bye. Peace. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on any podcast platform and make sure that you rate us. Also, we do have a YouTube channel if you prefer to watch our antics, and we also provide closed captioning. And if you want to know more about us, go check us out on our website at successinblackandwhite.com, or you can reach out to us directly on social media. 
My social media handle is I am Daryl Lovett on all platforms. And mine is April Dawn Lovett on all platforms.